Shopify Masters is powered by Shopify, the easiest way to sell online, in person, and anywhere in between. To get an extended 30-day trial, visit shopify.com slash masters. I own the buy box for, for iPhones and Samsungs. Um, so I was getting a lot of sales. So it would be like uh, 10 to 20 sales a day. Hey, my name is Felix. I'm the host of Shopify Masters. Each and every week, we learn the keys to success from e-commerce experts and entrepreneurs like you. In this episode, you'll learn what is the Amazon buy box and why is it important, how to optimize your Amazon product listing, and what product research tools to use before choosing a niche. Today, I'm joined by Alan Aranegtwe from Aviox. Aviox manufactures wireless Bluetooth speakers and was started in 2017 and based out of London. Welcome, Alan. Hi, Felix. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, excited to have you on. So tell us a little bit more about the speakers that you sell. Yeah, sure. So we currently have two products on the market live. Um, they're stocked on Amazon UK, Amazon USA, and um, Amazon Mexico. Um, we also have a third product that's um, on Indiegogo at the moment, and we're taking pre-orders. Uh, we, we hit um, a, a modest target of 10K uh, in US dollars. Um, it's our first ever crowdfunding campaign, and uh, we, we just kind of used it to get our feet wet and um, kind of understand how crowdfunding works before we move on to a bigger campaign um, with perhaps a more innovative, uh, unique product. Yeah, so definitely want to talk about your experience, your learnings from running these crowdfunding campaigns. Uh, but before we get there, talk to us a little bit about how you got into this industry of selling wireless Bluetooth speakers. Yeah, sure. So um, I'll take you way back to when I started um, after university. So I had two corporate jobs. Uh, I was working full time and, and it got to a stage where I thought I wanted to, to start my own business and um, get some more freedom and time time with my family and, and girlfriend. Um, so, yeah, I moved into um, reselling. Uh, so reselling brand new iPhones, Samsungs. Um, I literally went on Google and typed in, you know, iPhone resellers, iPhone distributors, UK, and I literally called up every single one to see, you know, who was willing to work with me. And I found one called Ingram Micro, um, which is one of the largest uh, distributors of iPhones um, in, in the UK. And um, yeah, I got in touch and managed to, to place an initial order. And yeah, they were selling really, really fast on Amazon and eBay. Um, it was so, so straightforward because I didn't have to do no marketing because these are big brands already in the UK that have got a huge demand, um, as you can imagine. So it was just a case of me being the cheapest. Um, I'm sure you've heard of the buy box on Amazon. So the buy box on Amazon is, um, add to cart button. So, you know, you know, when you're, you're reselling a popular item, there's, um, hundreds of different sellers on that listing. And the guy that's going to convert the most is the one who owns the buy box. So add to cart without having to um, go through the other sellers. And I was, you know, I own the buy box for, for iPhones and Samsungs. Um, so I was getting a lot of sales. So it would be like uh, 10 to 20 sales a day. Um, I was making around 50 pounds per profit per, you know, per sale. Um, so there were days where I was making, say, 700 pounds on, uh, on seven sales. Um, and, uh, yeah, it just, it just added up to the point where I had to, um, pay tax. I had to pay more tax than I could afford. And I stopped, um, selling because it wiped out the profit margins that I was making, um, as a reseller. 
So you mentioned that you own the buy box, meaning that when a buyer clicked the add to cart button, you were the seller that was doing the fulfilling. You were the seller that sold the product rather than all the other sellers that the buyer could potentially buy from. Now, how did you own the buy box? Yeah, so it usually comes down to price. So I was um, working for myself. I had no staff, so I could afford to, to be the cheapest and still make profit. Whereas a lot of third-party sellers on Amazon are small businesses and, and might have two or three staff, so they need a higher price. Um, so I, I could happily make 10% profit and walk away, whereas the other guys needed to make more and therefore had a higher price. Um, so yeah, it usually comes down to price. There are other metrics that they, they take into consideration, such as uh, customer feedback, um, you know, your account history, you know, how long have you had the, the seller account? Um, you know, complaints or that kind of thing. But usually it's the price. And did you have a new account? Yeah, I, I did have a new account. Yeah. So it, it was pretty fresh. So the price was a big factor that helped me um, own the buy box. And you'll find buy box competition on really popular items like, as I say, iPhones, uh, Playstations, you know, really mainstream items that many people want. Um, now I don't have that problem because I have my own products and I'm the only one on the listing. So I have the buy box all the time. Yeah. So with the iPhones and Samsung phones, very popular products and brands, the way you describe it sounds like the barriers to entry into this business were low. Obviously, it requires research to call distributors and price is low enough to win the buy box. Why wasn't there competition driving you out? Because the barriers entry sound low enough and it sounds like an easy business to get in. It was the most easy business that I've ever been in. And if there was no tax, you know, I'd probably still be doing it. But obviously, we need to pay tax uh, and you need to comply with the law. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, you know, Amazon can close your account. Did you consider selling other products? Because it sounds like you had a system figured out. Yeah, I find uh, with electronics especially, the margins are always going to be small if you're a reseller. You know, you don't own the product. So I think it's in your interest to get as close to the factory as possible. And, and that's what I've done with, with my speakers. Um, you know, I'm, I'm able to give a really, really affordable price to customers because I'm getting it from the source. As I've heard on your podcast before, people going direct to consumer, that's, that's the movement now. And, um, and, and I, again, as well, it's more about you investing in your own brand and you're putting all this time and effort in. You may as well put it to something that you own. Otherwise, you become just any other vendor without a brand. Exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, you just you just turn into a small retailer and it's it's really, really hard to scale up unless you have a lot of capital as you know as a as a retailer. So yeah. So once you win and own the buy box, can you start driving up your prices once the other factors like your product reviews and your sales are improving? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, you can do. Um, but at the start, that's, that's tough. But there are sellers that own the buy box that are not the cheapest on the listing for the reasons you've mentioned. So um, because the feedback is really strong on their account. So yeah, you can do it. And it's about reputation. And you've got to be careful on Amazon because sometimes Amazon can come in and sell the item as well. <laughs> and Amazon, um, nine times out of 10, will own the buy box because they, they can, you know, They're, it's their house. So yeah. 
Right. Very dangerous came into play when you are competing against Amazon for that buy box. Now, you had a profitable business. You were generating a profit for every sale, potentially exit the business. How could the taxes be so high that you were, that was driving you to leave the business? Yeah. So, as I say, I was making a 10% margin um, on, on the products, so the end price. Um, and the VAT here is 20%. So I'd actually make a loss of 10% if I carried on, which which would be silly. Um, you mentioned earlier going into other products. That would have been an option. Um, but I felt at that point, you know, let me at least try and do my own thing, you know, and see what happens. Yeah. Okay, so you were taking a hit every time you were selling the product. I'm assuming this wasn't the case the entire time, but only after a certain number of sales? No, 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 no. So up until £80,000, uh, British pounds, you do not pay any VAT. You pay no tax. There's a threshold. Got it. So up to 80,000 pounds, you are profiting about 10%. After 80,000 pounds, you were losing 10%. Exactly. So once I got to 80%, I had to find something else to do. Or as you said, I, I could have looked for other products, but I chose not to. Okay. So once you hit that point where you were over 80,000 pounds, do you just try to keep your sales beneath 80,000 pounds or did you just exit the business completely? Yeah, I exited. Like I just stopped um, doing doing the reselling of the phones. Um, a few people suggested opening different accounts and making different companies, but that wasn't a route I was willing to go down because um, I felt that was too messy. Um, but some people do it, you know. Um, if you know what I mean, they they spread out their, their their sales across five different companies with different names. But I wasn't looking to go down that road. So, and is that a legal approach? A lot of companies do it, yeah. A lot of companies they'll have uh, LTD and um, you know with different names. I think you guys um, uh, LLCs in the US or yep, yeah. So they'll have uh, just different companies uh, with different addresses. And- Got it. So you obviously made some money, but it sounds like the more valuable thing was that you had a lot of lessons learned and recognized that uh, how to compete on Amazon, but also that you wanted to build your own brand so that you were no longer being a reseller for these tight margins. What was the next step? Yeah, so the next step was literally sourcing items, um, you know, in in Asia and Pakistan and seeing, um, you know, what worked, you know, what could I resell at a profit? And also, what did customers want? You know, I wanted to to sell something that was going to sell because I was used to turning around stock pretty fast. Um, so yeah, I looked at the, the obvious places like Alibaba, DH Gate, um, and uh, dug deeper into to these listings. Um, you know, not just at the surface level. I, I went deep into, you know, on Alibaba, you can click on the manufacturer and really go into their unique page. And I wanted to get something that wasn't so so obvious um, to everyone. Um, so yeah, I, I didn't always um, kind of. Order, order the first thing that came up on page one. I go a bit deeper into like page five or six because I didn't want. Right, you don't want to go for the most obvious products because there's likely more competition. Yeah, exactly. So if someone just types in Bluetooth speaker, you know, I don't want to get the first thing that comes up. That's my point. So, what was your product research process? You were uh, looking for products on DHK and Alibaba, and you found a product that you liked. You looked into the manufacturer's page to see what other products that they were selling and digging deep into their catalog. How were you going about uh, this product research process? Exactly. Yeah, I was doing that. Um, I also used tools like uh, um, Jungle Scout on DHK to, to find out what, um, what people wanted. 
yeah, so I use Jungle Scout um, on Amazon to find out what people wanted. And I go to DHgate and, you know, Alibaba um, with, with a bit of data in my hands rather than just um, blindly uh, searching for stock. So Jungle Scout is basically a tool that you're using to measure demand on Amazon? Exactly, yes. Yeah. So I use Jungle Scout to, to research and see what was selling um, and see, see what people wanted. And for anyone out there that hasn't used Jungle Scout before, can you describe how the application works? Yeah, so I actually use the free tools. So um, the sales estimator, you've got the Amazon bestseller list that you can literally pull off Google. Um, you know, it's, it's literally in your face, all the information that you need. So I'd go into Amazon bestsellers and then I scroll through the subcategories on the left um, and then I'll just see what people wanted. Um, you know, obviously the reviews, if there were you know, a nice base of reviews, then it suggested that, you know, people are buying the product because I know not, not everyone leaves a review. And, um, you know, if, if it has at least 200 reviews and, you know, it's selling a lot just based on the fact that I know people don't leave reviews. And I'd go into um, the sales estimator on Jungle Scout, uh, you know, type in the category and, and the product, and that'll give me a rough ballpark figure of how many they're selling um, per month. Um, and I think it's pretty accurate as well, the number they give you. Um, and yeah, I just, I just use that to gauge whether or not there's a demand for the product. And, um, yeah, so I, I wanted to, to get something that sold at least, um, you know, 200 units, um, Okay, so at this point, you're just brainstorming, you are putting in keywords, putting in product names into Jungle Scout, looking at how many reviews there are on a site like DHgate or Alibaba to find that product to source. Exactly, yeah. So, um, you know, as I mentioned before, I, I want things to turn around fast and I want to shift stock. Um, and with, with my kind of strategy, I wanted to go in at um, a really affordable price point so I didn't want to sell anything that was over £100 because um, I'm, I'm all about the, the, the quick kind of, the quick turns, you know. And I find, I find, I find the price range is usually uh, between, you know, £25 and uh, £70. You know, it's, it's, not, um, it's not something you really need to plan for. It's like an impulse buy and that way you get more sales, in my opinion. When you were when you found a manufacturer, were you just reaching out to them and trying to negotiate a deal? Or were you buying directly from Alibaba and DHgate? What was the process behind that? Yeah, so um, I had a template uh, that I sent out to um, the suppliers. Um, and yeah, it was literally just uh, 10 different questions. So I wasn't repeating myself and to prevent the, the, the back and forth messages so yeah i sent out the template to like six different suppliers um ordered some samples in and yeah just just tested the samples tested how fast they responded to messages um you know asked for a, for a bit of a track record on who they worked with and used that information to narrow down and pick um two suppliers for my my first two products Got it. Now you are going back now to Amazon to set up this this all up again. Were you keeping keeping with your same profile? Were you creating a new account on Amazon? Yeah, so it's the same account that I've had, but Amazon give you the option to change the name mm -hmm. on the um, on your seller profile. So I just changed the name to Aviox, which is the current brand. So yeah, it's still the same account. Very cool. How long did it take you to get your, your first, uh, I guess, order from these, uh, these suppliers so that you could list it on Amazon? Yeah, so the first, um, 
actual order um, that was ready for Amazon took about about two months, but it was a process because I, I first um, got the the samples without my logo on it. So my first two products are literally just private label products that I've just whacked a logo on there. I haven't designed it, I haven't manufactured it. You know, there was no engineering from my part. So yeah, the first samples had no logo on there. Um, the second batch had my logo on there. Um, and I had to get the packaging made really fast as well. So I'd done that using Fiverr, which I'm sure, you know. Um, so, yeah, it was pretty cheap to get the packaging made. And um, initially I had to meet a, a unit order of 1,000 a thousand units for the packaging. Um, but I worked around that in a way where I didn't have to pay it all up front. I said, hey, how about um, I just do like 200 um, 200 now and um, I'll, I'll pay like over you know five times just in case it didn't work mm-hmm. if that makes sense yeah, yeah so you're using Fiverr to to get the packaging design or how is it how were you getting it made yeah yeah so I used Fiverr to get the the artwork made and then I sent a file with the artwork to the suppliers in China yeah and then mm-hmm. the supplies in China made my packaging because my first sample was in a generic box it was a generic blue box um, and I didn't want the customers to receive the the speakers like that right now when you had the packaging design did you have to meet certain uh, specifications so that the supplier in China knew how to recreate it yeah so um with the packaging uh, they they gave me what's called a die cut yeah so I don't know if you know what that is but it's um an outline of packaging mm-hmm. <laughs> and I literally just had to meet the kind of um, all the artwork had to be in there and um, you know the safety signs and the main features and, and that was pretty much it, it there wasn't too much um, kind of like uh, a complicated uh, process to go through got it so it's a pretty it's a pretty standard approach then that these Fiverr uh, freelancers know how to work with uh, the die cut yeah, exactly. So they know what to do. They're there. You know, that's what they do all day long. And um, it's their thing, you know, they're packaging guys. So, yeah, it's pretty, pretty, um, pretty easy. There was a few revisions that I had to make just to get it um, of a decent standard. Um, but yeah, it was risky because I didn't actually see the first batch of packaging until it arrived in my house. And that was like mm-hmm. 200 units. Wow. Um, but, but what I got the lady to do, I got her to take a picture before she committed to making like a thousand, you know, so I was like, let me at least see a picture, please. Yeah. So and any tips on, on, on that for anyone else out there that is looking to, to not, not only have a, a packaging design, but then working with a manufacturer to, to create it. Is this a pretty standard thing that, that suppliers will do for you if you have a design ready for them, for them to create the packaging? Yeah, of course. Yeah, they're used to it, um, especially if um, on their listing it says OEM and it says customizable packaging, then that means they're, they're open to you adding your own kind of stamp on the product, um, which is in your interest as well, because it's good branding. You know, if your customer receives the product in with your logo on it, it just looks better than a plain blue box or, you know. Right. Now, once you had the product ready, talk to us about how you go into thinking about creating your, your Amazon product listing. The Amazon product listing, so you need to get um, a UPC or an EAN, um, which you can easily buy from eBay um, for like two pounds. I think it's like uh, $1 for you guys, $150. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you go to eBay, um, get the EAN, 
and it's, it's pretty straightforward. There's loads of tools inside Amazon Seller University um, that you can use to um, show you step by step what to do. So I'm sure most most of your listeners can do it easily. Any tips on like things that you need to uh, include in your product listings to make it you know convert better? Yeah, of course. Yeah, so it needs to be fully optimized. Um, in terms of keywords and uh, you know really really high quality images, so it's worth sending your product to a professional photographer to get the best images. Ideally, with people using the product, um, that will increase conversions a lot. And um, if you're eligible, a video would be great. Um, Amazon have got this thing called um, Amazon Launchpad. I don't know if you've heard of it. Now, how does that work? Yes, yeah, so Amazon Launchpad is a program for startups and new businesses that have been um, funded through, say, Indiegogo or Kickstarter. And what that allows you to do, it allows you to have um, extra content on your page, such as video, whereas most sellers are not allowed video for some Got reason. It. So this only works if you go through the, the Amazon Launchpad and the only way to get into Launchpad is to come from a crowdfunding platform? Exactly, exactly. So that's another reason why we've done the Indiegogo. Um, so later on, we'll be qualified for Amazon Launchpad. Um, so if your listeners Google it, they'll, they'll see um, they'll see the process and the criteria to be um, accepted on the program. Got it. And when you is it a pretty? Do you have to apply to get into Launchpad? Like, what's the process? Yes, you need to apply. There's there's um you know there's a lot of like documents you need to send in and proof that you've come from a crowdfunding campaign. Um, that will really really increase your conversions. Up until this point, we've got buy without it, but that is certainly something your listeners might want to um, to look into. Right, I definitely can see the value in having video on the page, especially when people are shopping between different products. They'd be able to see your product in action on a video can certainly increase or will most likely increase your conversions. And when you're applying for this, the, the Amazon Launchpad, is it a competition to get in or do you just have to check a bunch of boxes and then you're, you're in? You're right, so it's more of a tick box thing. Um, you know, and yeah, I don't see any reason why they'll reject you if you've, you know, met their criteria. So it's in their interest to have, um, innovative and new products, right. um, from startups on their site. So, yeah. Okay. Now you mentioned earlier, uh, in the interview about how you are Amazon UK, US and Mexico. What's the difference between being on these different platforms? Um, that's a really good question. I think the processes are pretty much the same. Um, the majority of my sales come from from the UK and also other countries in Europe. Um, but I, uh, the, the customers in in the UK, um, obviously, my listings in English. The US, so there's, there's not much difference, to be honest. Got it. Do you have to do for Amazon Mexico? Do you have to do a translation? How does that work? Yeah, so you could do a translation in Mexico. Um, with, we're in France, um, Italy, and Spain as well, if you get some time. Your, your listeners as well. Can, um, and yeah, it automatically translates for you. So um, there's not much for you to do in terms of translating it. But it's always wise to get some native to have a look for, um, to see if it actually makes sense. In Right. So I've had feedback from some customers who are like, you, you know you need to change the structure just to make it more like grammatically correct 
uh, all that kind of yeah, that makes sense. So when you are selling on these other um, geographies, is how do you get into them? Is it checking a box when you're when you are launching when you're creating the product listing, or is there a different process to get into these different marketplaces? Yeah, so we just started selling in the U.S. Um, so I'm I'm not that experienced with the U.S. to be honest. But in Europe, it's a case of um, there's a thing called pan-European fulfillment, which means uh, you send it to one central warehouse in the UK, and you can get orders from all across Europe. I don't have to send different batches of stock to different countries. It all gets sent out from one place, which is really good for me as a seller. Okay, so it's definitely, it seems like it's worth it to be in as many marketplaces as possible because there's not that much extra work. Exactly. It's, it's so scalable. Got it. And you mentioned that you are, uh, I think in a, in a pre-interview question about how you use Amazon PPC as well to drive traffic to your listing. Can, can you talk a little bit about how that works? Yes. Um, for obvious reasons, you need to get sales. Um, at the start, you're going to make that much profit because a lot of your uh, funds are going to be spent on PPT. Um, so yeah, it's all about keyword research. Um, you can use tools like Keyword Planner. And if you just go to Google and, and type in keyword research tools, loads will come up. And you will start literally targeting those different keywords. You can do it on a manual basis. You can do it automatic. Uh, you can do broad. You know, There's so many different targeting uh, strategies you can use. Um, but yeah, I started seeing sales from day one. You know, I was, I was mm -hmm. selling into 20 units from, from the start, not at a profit, but people were converting. Uh, you know, I only had like five reviews, which were friends and family at that point. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's an investment that you've got to make. And a lot of people won't like it when Amazon deduct, uh, say, $1,000 for advertising costs in the space of two weeks. But I think it's the price you need to pay just to get the ball rolling and to get some momentum. That That's what a lot of sellers that eventually end up on page one have done. They've spent a lot of cash and they took a loss at the start just to get some momentum and just to get some sales. Got it. And what's the momentum that, that you need to create? Is it the reviews that come from those sales? Is it the sales volume? What does Amazon pay attention to that the PPC helps you with? Yeah, so that algorithm on Amazon is all about sales. You know, they want to make cash. And they want their customers to be happy. So a combination of good reviews and sales is going to get you to page one or two for your main keyword. Um, it will happen. And obviously at the start, you can kind of um, spike the sales by giving um, products away to friends and family or doing um, a competition or a giveaway to your friends um, or your followers on Instagram. Sorry. Um, yeah, so at the start, they, they want to see action on your page. That's what they want to see. What's a competition? How do people enter the competition for, for your Amazon listening? Yeah, so um, competition, by, by that I mean like you can do a private competition on your Instagram or your Facebook and like uh, a giveaway, um, mm -hmm. you know? And is the goal to drive traffic to, to your listing? How does Amazon, why does Amazon care, I guess, about your uh, private competition? Okay, so the way I see it is the more people that are coming to your page from different places, mm -hmm. the more excited the Amazon website's going to get. You know, so if you're you have this central listing and you've got traffic coming in from Twitter, from Facebook, from Pinterest, from all these different places, got it. Um, it will see it as a popular item, something that's in demand, and it will give you more visibility on its own site. 
that's what I found with my product. Right, that, that makes a lot of sense. That the more platforms you're driving to Amazon, Amazon, of course, likes that because there's more traffic and, and potentially new customers, so they're going to reward you for, for bringing that traffic in. So you mentioned, uh, of course, you need the keywords to, to, to target. Uh, what, what tools did you say that you, you're using, like Google Keyword Planner to help you with this? Google Keyword Planner, even Amazon's own internal um, PPC, they give you suggestions, so what people are already searching for. Um, in my case, what I've done, this is a bit um, like labor-intensive, but it works. So my keyword is Bluetooth speaker. Mm-hmm. I went on there, I typed in Bluetooth speaker, and I literally went through the alphabet after to see what else people are searching for, you know? It's like a suggested, they give you like suggested words. Exactly. So the minute you type in Bluetooth speaker, you'll see other words coming up like loud, like uh, silver, like bass, you know, related keywords. Mm. And then you can put that in your targeting on the back end as well. Got it. And have you also, now that, of course, now you have your, your Shopify site alongside the Amazon site, lots of your success has come from Amazon listing. What's that transition been like to, to also eventually build up your Shopify sales channel? Yeah, to be honest, I do not get enough sales through Shopify, um, mainly because I'm used to Amazon and I know Amazon mm-hmm. brings a ton of traffic. Do you, do you get people visiting your Shopify store from Amazon? What's the, how, do they, how does the traffic relate to each other? Yeah, to be honest, not much. Um, and that's something I'm really, really trying to work on uh, moving Got forward. It. Makes sense. Because I want that independence and I want to control the, the customer experience a bit more than I do now. Right. I mean, it sounds like you're, you're investing a lot in building your brand on Amazon and that will likely help you out as well. Once you start, uh, once your brand starts building more, people probably likely will check out the, your site directly, your Shopify site that is. Um, I think you also mentioned that you use Facebook ads. How does that work with your current business model? Yeah, so Facebook ads are really, really useful, especially for anyone that's considering doing a campaign on Indiegogo or Kickstarter. Um, because you can get people to opt in with their emails without them even leaving Facebook, you know, so they can literally hit a button and bang, you've got their email. What kind of ad do you create for, for that? Yeah, that's a lead generation ad. And you're like creating a, um, an ad specifically for people to sign up to be notified by your crowdfunding campaign. What's the incentive? Yeah, exactly. So it's a lead generation ad. You have a picture of your product or a video and say, you know, hey guys, this is launching in two weeks on Indiegogo or Kickstarter. Would you be interested in a 40% discount? Yes. And then by signing up, there's, um, there's some text that they read and says, look, you're giving away your email to this company. And yeah, that's it. Got now it. you've got the email, you've got their name, and you've got a contact for your list that you can market to forever. So that's really useful. And it costs like uh, in, in dollars, you guys will be like uh, 70 cents per lead, which is good. Got it. And that's like the threshold that you try to, to hit 70 cents uh, US uh, in, in leads? Yeah, exactly. And then that, that customer is, you know, potentially a customer for life if you get him to, to convert. Got it. So your email marketing to to these people that you're able to get their their emails from from running Facebook lead ads and are you were you building up this email list prior to launching your crowdfunding campaign? Like how did you line this up with your exactly? Yeah. So it was um, literally I, I kind of targeted people that already liked you know Indiegogo or Kickstarter. Um, so as I'm sure you know, you can be so specific with 
with who you target on Facebook, literally based on behaviors or, you know, even who they work for. So it's right. That, that's interesting that you, you, you targeted, uh, past people that have backed campaigns on Kickstarter, Indiegogo, or at least interested in Indiegogo and Kickstarter campaigns rather than people might be interested. I might, I'm not sure how, how, how possible it would be, but to target people that are interested in your, your product category, right? The Bluetooth speakers. What was the decision behind that? Yeah. I mean, I actually have another set. So, so I'm sure, you know, on Facebook, you can, uh, there's different audiences. So yeah. I have one audience, um, which is a bit more generic. So people that like music, that like Beyonce, that like, you know, audio files, you know, people that are obsessed with speakers. I have different um, groups of people that I target for different things. Got so it. W- with Amazon, it's more like generic, like, you know, music, dance, you know, hip hop, travel, you know, frequent travelers take speakers with them, you know, so these kind of people. So it depends on what I'm doing. Yeah. Do you drive Facebook ads to Amazon listings as well? Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, that, that really helps. Um, you know, even if they don't convert straight away, it's um, brand awareness, you know, and it's if they see your brand like seven or eight times, they're like, OK, this is something a bit more serious. And on the eighth time, they might convert. Do you, do you find the Amazon PPC versus the Facebook ads that are both driving to the listing, do you find one to be better than the other at this time? Yeah, the thing with Amazon, they don't really let you use the Pixel. I'm sure you know about the Facebook mm-hmm. Pixel. So I can't see for definite you know, who's converting from Facebook. You Got know? It. Um, so that's the issue. Amazon are really like, uh, protective of their data. Um, so that's a tough one. That makes sense. Yeah, I guess the only way you can really find out is maybe to run Amazon PPC by itself for you know however long it makes sense, and then run Facebook ads by itself, and then compare that way. But certainly, there is no way to know for sure unless you have some kind of pixel that's firing from the people that are dri- driven to the Amazon listing from the Facebook ads. That makes sense. Now, um, your, your crowdfunding campaign, I think by the time this episode goes out, the, the campaign will have, will have ended, but you mentioned that this is just a big learning experience for you so that you want to launch a future campaign. So hopefully there are others that people can check out once uh, this episode airs. What, what have you learned from, from the crowdfunding campaign so far for your, for your first campaign? Yeah, so I learned that you need to bring the, the backers with you. Uh, so, uh, you know, in my um, in my dashboard, I, I can see that 4% of the, the backers came from Indiegogo. So that tells your listeners that 96% of, of the backers are people that I've brought to the party, mm-hmm. either through my email list or people that I know or past Aviox customers, you know, from Shopify. Uh, so... You know, the crowd comes from you. That's the most important lesson that I've learned. So the bigger your your crowd, the better you'll do. Um, just see Indiegogo as a destination for people to to sign up or to pledge and back you. Yeah. So basically, don't depend on the crowdfunding platform to drive the traffic. No, 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 no. That's yeah. I think that's the worst mistake people can make. You know, the guys that do huge campaigns have got really strong email lists or even better they've got they've got really good pr uh, mm-hmm. and that that pr has, has brought them you know a lot of traffic got it so it sounds like you you went with a crowdfunding route for for multiple reasons one is to get into the amazon launch pad now why why drive because you have to bring the the crowd with you why drive them to what have you learned about why you should drive them to any gogo page rather than just like your own let's say your own website yeah um with indiegogo 
it's it's good because it gives you time to make the product. You can use your backers' um, cash to actually fund your first order from the factory. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas with Amazon, you know, you need the stock ready to ship out the same day. You know. Got it. And of course, you're using the technology of uh, the technology and the service of crowdfunding, right? Because you can't, obviously that doesn't exist on Amazon and maybe to run it on your own Shopify site might require additional tools or development to, to build that out. So you are using the service and technology behind Indiegogo to, to run a crowdfunding campaign. Exactly. And also the brand. People have heard of Indiegogo and Kickstarter. So if I was to set up um, a donate button on my site, it might not be as credible as Indiegogo or Kickstarter. Yeah. Got it. So there's that kind of trust factor that comes with Indiegogo that makes people more willing to to give their money to you, even though the product doesn't ex- exactly exist yet. But if it's on a, a site they might not have heard of yet or doesn't have as strong of a brand yet, then they might not be as willing to, to fork over their money for a product that doesn't necessarily exist yet. Exactly. Yes, it's true. Yeah. Now, when you are when you design your your funding page, anything you learned there about how you might want to approach it differently, or things that you definitely want to do uh, the next time around? Yeah, next time around, I will add more of a, a story in my video because the way we filmed it was more like an advert, and I've learned now that you you need to tell some sort of story, you know, like more of a narrative um, to give people you know, a reason to give over their hard-earned cash for a product that's going to arrive in five months, you know, or four months. Um, so, yeah, more of a story in your video. And um, I think high-quality high, uh, high images uh, really, really help. Um, yeah, I think that that's it, really. They, they want to see the team. They want to see that you're a real person. So um, a lot of campaigns hide behind a logo, which isn't good because they want to see, you know, it's you and um, a link to your Facebook's really important so they can see that, that you know, it's the real person. Um, but yeah, I mean, our, our campaign, it, it's been okay because for me, $10,000 isn't a lot of cash in terms of, you know, starting a business, but a lot of campaigns fell on Indiegogo. So in a way, it's achievement. Only 11% actually get funded. Right. Yeah. So your your campaign is is funded. If anyone wants to check it out, it has reached its goal. We reached our ten thousand um, US dollar goal. Um, you know, I kind of look at other campaigns and see that they've raised seven figures, raised six figures, <laughs> um, and I feel the reason they've done that is because they've used a PR agency. In my opinion, they they spent a lot on PR. And that final figure that we see as a um, as a spectator, you see that oh, they've raised six or seven figures. A lot of it comes down to them spending thousands of pounds on PR, in my opinion, um, because we try to get PR, but people are getting back to us asking us to pay for like placement on their site. And so my point is, you need to spend spend money to make it back. Yeah. Right, that makes sense. Now, I think you mentioned to me offline as well that that you reached the your uh, sales of a hundred thousand dollars. And how long did it take you to to get to that point? Yeah, so combined with Amazon, um, we're also stocked on a public company called Game in the UK. Um, I don't know if you guys have anything similar in the US, but um, they're, they're huge in the UK. Um, so we're stocked there, and that's another channel we get sales through. So your listeners, when they get time, if they just type in game UK, 
they'll see. Um, what kind of site is it? Yeah, so they sell electronics. Um, so our sites, uh, um, our own website links to games. So there's a, a button that our, our customers can click. If they don't want to buy from me, they can buy from Amazon or Game. Uh, but the, the cash always comes back to me because I'm the one that made the product. And why, why do you give them that? Why do you give the if someone visits your your Shopify site, you're saying that they could choose not to buy from your site, but to go to Amazon or Game instead? What was the reasoning behind offering that that option? Yeah, um, the reason behind that was uh, for two two reasons. Um, I want to give customers choice, you know, and eventually, you know, the, the, the funds from the sale will come back to me. Um, you know, they, they might not trust my site at mm-hmm. the start. You know, they've never heard of it. It's a new startup. It's a new brand. Um, but rather than them go away and never come back, I want them to give the option so they can buy on um, on Amazon or or Game, which is which is well known in the UK. God, that makes sense. You know, a lot of times when people are designing their site, they're so focused on how can I build more trust within my site when you could just essentially borrow the trust from Amazon or in your case, a game as well. And because your site's, your products are listed on there, people understand the, the great customer service from Amazon and they will be more willing essentially to buy from Amazon th- th- than you, even if it's the same exact you know product, even though you are the company because Amazon's kind of co-signing essentially for, for your products, it, it, it improves the, the trust factor and will get people to buy eventually. And then that's how they learn about your brand, right? By buying your products and trying it. And then maybe in the future, they'll come back and buy from you directly rather than, than from Amazon. Yeah, exactly. So as you say, it's all about credibility and, um, you know, having them logos on your site with an active link, you know, it shows people that you're serious and you're not going to run away with their cash. Right, makes sense. Now that you've raised the uh, the ten thousand dollars in Indiegogo, what's next? What's in the future? What What are your future plans for for the business? Yeah, so adding more products um, on the Indiegogo page, we've added a new perk, um, which which is earphones, uh, Bluetooth earphones. Um, so yeah, just more products related to music and. The ones that can complement our current products, so you know, sound bars and you know, headphones, uh, waterproof speakers, you know. So there's there's so much we can do, um, but of course, you know, it it takes time to get to that point. Sure, awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Alan. Aviox again is the brand. A V I O X dot UK is the site. You can search the same on Amazon and, of course, on, on Game as well. So again, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for coming on, Alan. No, you're welcome. Here's a sneak peek for what's in store in the next Shopify Masters episode. What I'd like to do for startup options is uh, to offer new employees uh, non-qualified stock options. Thanks for listening to Shopify Masters, the e-commerce marketing podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs. To start your store today, visit shopify.com slash masters to claim your extended 30-day free trial. Also, for this episode's show notes, head over to shopify.com slash blog.